Well, in the words of Jerry Brower, good morning, family, <laughs> and a happy May Day to you. I don't know, what are you supposed to do on May Day, you know? Well, this morning we're continuing in our consideration of Peter's first letter, and our GPS coordinates are 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. And you'll catch that we're including the last verse from Scott's sermon passage last week. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, gripping words from centuries ago, and yet they're fresh from you to us this morning. So we ask that you would be with us as we learn. Please mute anything that I might say that isn't from you, but write it large if it is coming from you and your Holy Spirit within us. And so, would you teach us? We ask this in the name of our brother Jesus. Amen. Although I don't watch a lot of movies, some are absolutely etched in my brain. And their lead characters, Vivian Lee as Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind, Harrison Ford as Han Solo in the Star Wars franchise, even a wee piglet called Babe, they all evoke a kind of, ah, yes, that's who they are, and that's what they're like. That's how I feel. And yet, and yet, as the movie progresses, they continue to grow as their true fiber and grit and complexity and resilience rise to unexpected places. So too, for me, our ancient letter writer Peter continues to grow as we observe his growing godwardness and maturity over a few decades of walking alongside his rescuing Jesus. And so, as Scott reminded us just last week, our letter writer Peter is a quite different person than the initial Peter we encountered in the Gospels. Do you remember how we discovered him before our current series in his letter? And we explored, but first, Peter. Who is this guy? Formerly, he was rash. He was defensive. He wielded brave words without actual bravery. <laughs> and primarily, Peter was reactionary instantly blurting out comments and misbehaviors against others. Sidebar comment. In Luke's Gospel, we read that Peter had a sick mother-in-law. We really don't know much about Peter's other disciples' familial relationships. This means that Peter himself was married and he was embedded and interconnected in a family. Perhaps some of you have a family member who is abrasive, reactionary, opinionated, and it can, make, it can make family gatherings quite troublesome affairs, can't you? 
I don't want to see any nudging, okay? Mm -hmm. That's where we find ourselves this morning. Our letter writer, Peter, is now much more relaxed, although not at all mamby-pamby. He's considered and he's thoughtful, although not at all dull. And he's insightful and encouraging, and not just jarring and abrasive, his former jerk self. Yeah, just perhaps there's still hope for a guy like me, and perhaps others of us. I'll give you wives now a chance to nudge your husbands. Hmm? Well, you know that I'm fond of memory hooks. <laughs> you can't get away from them. And so this morning, as we consider Peter's first letter, chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, I invite us to consider three letter Cs. Cast, controlled, called. Cast, controlled, called. And yes, I know they're not direct parallels in form. You grammarians will it'll sort of bite the back of your neck when you see them like that. But these are the actual words used by Peter in this section of his letter. Cast is a quite adaptable word in English, isn't it? Cast is what you do when you quickly unreel a fishing line to see what's biting. A cast is what you wear on a broken limb while it mends. A cast is a list of actors in a play or TV show. Cast is what you do when you register your vote in an election. You cast your ballot. A cast is an object made by shaping molten material into a mold. And we use the word cast to describe a, a video or an internet feed that we want to share widely. We're not all, at all sure who might receive it, let alone respond to it, but nevertheless, it's now cast out there. But when Peter uses the word cast in his first letter's fifth chapter, verse 7, he's using it as a particular verb to throw, to intentionally plop down before a recipient. I love how Peter continues to be a man of action, even as he is mellowed into a wise and loving shepherd of God's family. Let's unpack verse 7 a little. Cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Peter acknowledges that his first readers, and us, are riddled with anxiety, and often about various things at once. Thus his use of the word all is crucial and it's encouraging. Aren't you glad that Peter doesn't confine his counsel only to religious anxiety, whatever that might be, or family anxiety, or fiscal anxiety? For Peter, all means all. And let's reflect for a moment. Sometimes we can clearly identify a particular anxiety, maybe a medical diagnosis, for instance. But often we have trouble even articulating what our anxieties are. And this in itself spawns further anxiety. It does require a bit of self-reflection, doesn't it? Like taking one's own pulse or blood pressure during a grueling day or after a workout. But Peter doesn't say, sift through your anxieties and cast only the top three. No, all means all, even, or perhaps especially, the ones we can't precisely nail down when they plague us. And please note, Peter doesn't instruct us to simply cast off or cast away our anxiety, but rather to cast all your anxiety 
on God. That's an intentional placing and not merely an off-casting. And we're told to cast it all on God. Does this encourage you? Or does it provoke an additional anxiety? What will he think of me? He's a busy God. And my knotted tummy issues are beneath his notice. Hmm? If you hear nothing else from me today, hear Peter's clear message from the Almighty himself, for he cares for you. In English, it's only five words, but I encourage you to emphasize them one by one and see if it doesn't settle into your heart and bones. Why? Why should we cast our anxiety on God? For, because he cares for you. For he, yep, God Almighty himself cares for you. For he cares for you. For he cares for you. Do you know that God is for you? For he cares for you. Yep, you. It's from this place of grace, encouragement, and sure relief that Peter moves on in verse 8 to describe how we can act with confidence and alertness. Be self-controlled and alert. And so we encounter our second hook, controlled. Do you notice how Peter continues to echo his letter's previous comments about what a, a Jesus-like home life, workplace behavior, congregational harmony, what genuine shepherding looks like? He doesn't say, find your sphere of control and exercise power. He doesn't say, control the group's conversation. Hmm. No, instead he is clear and he's succinct. Be self-controlled and alert. Tell me, what are some practical ways of being self-controlled and alert? As we've done a few times that I've spoken here at Lambrick, I invite you to take a few moments, just two minutes, to consider and discuss the following, perhaps with the person seated next to you, or at home with family, or just alone. What are some practical ways of being self-controlled and alert? What are some practical ways of being self-controlled and alert? Go.
Well, how was that? You have no idea. When you're up front and you see everybody, you can really catch the body language. A number of you are like this. Apparently, you're already self-controlled and alert. <laughs> yeah? So what are some practical ways of being self-controlled and alert? Since we have people joining us online, welcome. I would dearly love to hear you call some out, but let me suggest a few practical ways of being self-controlled and alert. This is not a box set. It just keeps, there's different ways of doing it. Uncluttering our news feeds and internet chatter. Hmm? Intentionally getting a good night's sleep, or at least trying to. Avoiding multitasking as much as possible. Mothers are exempt. <laughs> Eating well and wisely. Prioritizing your use of time to make best use of your relationship with the things and people you truly value, not just the ones that demand your attention. Simply and graciously saying no, just because a task or a person is demanding. Hmm? A rhythm of digesting scripture before its value, its perspective is crowded out. Huh. I may have told you this some time ago, but my own dad's habit for years was to read the Toronto Globe and Mail newspaper before he began his workday. He was quite, I think, understandably proud of the fact that he could tackle the New York Times crossword in ink, as he said, because he didn't need a pencil's eraser. He would only then have what he would quote, call his morning devotions scripture reading and prayer, before his day really got rolling. But at some point in my young adulthood, he flipped things on their heels, and my dad first had his morning devotions, and only then opened the newspapers of the day. This was long before e-news feeds. He told me that his scriptural reorientation was utterly transformational in how he viewed world events and even the nitty-gritty of the, the coming day's schedule. Unwittingly to me, he became a mentor of Peter's wisdom. Be self-controlled and alert. I miss him. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> excuse me, there are lots, lots of practical and per personally helpful ways that we can foster Peter's encouraging warning that we be alert. Hmm? But why? But why does he seem just so insistent after his seemingly more soothing and affirming preceding words? Just this, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What a gripping picture of Satan's game plan and his intention for our downfall. Please be encouraged and not alarmed, be, but still be self-controlled and alert. Yahweh God is always, always in charge, and he's the caregiver of the entire created universe. Frankly, the evil one, the devil, Satan, has never had a snowball's chance in hell, there's a good metaphor for you, of winning the ultimate 
battle. No, Yahweh God has always, always been benevolently and powerfully in charge. And the events that we've only recently celebrated on Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday, they're certainly strategic events, but their outcome was never in doubt. Please note, Good Friday and Easter are not our celebration of, whew, the good side won against all odds. No, Yahweh God, our rescuing, sustaining, wise, and loving God, has always been in control without wavering a bit. And Good Friday and Easter are not commemorations of battles unexpectedly won against all odds. Why am I reminding us of this? It's because our enemy, the evil one, still prowls after the likes of you and me, who are beloved by God. Not with any prospect of ultimately winning. Victory is already won at Golgotha and resurrection. But because the evil one's tactic is always to wreak havoc, create discord, foster anxiety. This is no less true for us than it was in Peter's own day. Yep, the evil one is still on the prowl, looking for victims of his lies with dire repercussions. Let's be clear. Let's be honest with one another. Many of us have friends and family members who succumbed, hear me, not to their blame or their shame, but they've succumbed to toxic substances in relationships, self-loathing, self-harm, self-medicating means of muting their anxieties. Ah, may we be a people who graciously and generously and frankly safely extend ourselves to embrace these folks in our very midst and not just in some nebulous out there arm's length way. Peter's instruction of grace to those who are enduring the attacks from the evil one, verse nine, resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are enduring the same kind of sufferings. During our own current day, Russia, Ukraine, war, which is really an invasion, don't get me started on war morality, whatever that is. But I'm going to invite you now to consider from your own perspective just who your brothers throughout the world who are enduring the same kind of sufferings. That's from verse 9. As we did a couple of min- minutes ago, just a few moments ago, I invited us to take a few moments to now consider and to especially pray for the following, perhaps with a, with a person seated near you or at home with family or simply a no. Just who are your brothers and sisters throughout the world who endure the same kinds of sufferings. Ross, I think we need to go ahead one. There you go. Yeah, no worries, no worries. (laughs) Oh, no worries. So I want you to just take a couple of minutes alone or with someone next to you who, identify them by name or groups of people, are your brothers and sisters throughout the world who endure the same kinds of suffering. Let's pray. Go ahead.
It would be good to do this for an hour or more, but to honor your time and the teachers downstairs, <laughs> energy, we'll move on. It, it's, it's good. It's actually crucial that we remember and pray for our hurting spiritual kinfolk in places that we perhaps only see on our news feeds. And of course, it's pr crucial to pray for one another in our local context, our family here at Lambrick, where we ourselves live. And so very briefly, we encounter our third letter C, called. Verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Do you catch how Peter describes it? It's not a messenger from God or a minister from God, or even a shepherd of God who does the calling. It's Yahweh God himself who directly calls us to his eternal glory in Christ. You see, it's not just encouraging information from God, but God himself who calls us by name, his face facing toward us with caring love in his eyes. And look how Peter tumbles out with what's involved in our post-suffering new life. He himself will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. You know I can't resist sharing some Greek with you this morning, but, but instead of defining the original Greek words, I want you to simply hear them and their rhyming rhythms. Catartisei, sterexei, stenosei, themiliosei. You hear? The rhyme, the rhythm of the, the words. That's what Peter uses. You see, if you don't understand even a, a, the slightest word of Greek, you can still hear the tumbling out of Peter's rhyming words about God's goodness. Peter could have chosen any number of other non-rhyming synonyms for the words he chose, but apparently he wants the cadences, the rhythmic pattern of God's sure goodness to burrow right into his reader's bones. This isn't the first time we've seen something like this in scripture. It's not just an odd coincidence. Eight, fully eight of the Psalms in the Old Testament are intentionally written as acrostic poems, each verse beginning with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This greatly helped the original readers with remembering how the poem and Godward praise unfolds. And go figure, we ourselves do this to this day. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. A word to the wise for some of you forgetful folks. <clears throat> and you older folks may fondly remember the, quote, mother song. M is for the many ways she days me. <laughs> All that goes on, every letter begins something, and it spells out mother. Do you see Peter's first encouragement to his readers and to us? It's not just bland and wistful, I hope everything works out well for you. But instead, it's absolute and it's sure. Hear it again. After you have suffered for a little while, he himself, God himself, will not might, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This isn't merely a hopeful encouragement, but it actually catches us precisely when we feel broken and weakened 
when we feel least firm and on shaky ground, per precisely what suffering produces in us emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, and all too often even relationally with others. Do you need me? No, just hang out Okay. <laughs> I, thought it was an, I thought it was an altar call. Simon came up. <laughs> and do you notice... Peter doesn't come across like a ravingly upbeat locker room coach before a big game. No, it's precisely during our suffering that he writes to us. Peter's letter is not a retrospective on formerly difficult times, but it's during the suffering itself. In light of this, I, I invite you to just scan over what we, where we've been thus far in Peter's letter perhaps in a quiet place alone or with, alongside others this afternoon, and see how his confident assurance of God's sure rescue has strength and fiber for real-life relationships in all the different places where we really live and work. And so, how does Peter conclude today's passage in his letter? Verse 11, to him, to Almighty God himself, be the power forever and ever. Amen. I love how Eugene Peterson renders this last phrase in the message. God gets the last word. Yes, he does. Isn't <laughs> that great? So, cast all your anxiety on Almighty God. Why? Because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert so that you can hear the voice of Almighty God and thus resist the evil one. And remember, I'll remember that you, you, are called by Almighty God himself for his glory and for your fullness and joy. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for accepting the anxieties we cast on you as you beckon us toward you. Thank you for cautioning us to be self-controlled and alert under your care while our enemy, the evil one, tries to snag us up. Thank you for calling us to be your beloved children and for bolstering our strength in you. Ah, oh, dear Father, Abba, Papa, along with our brother, the Apostle Peter, we are bold to shout with gratitude to you, to you, for your glory and joy, and our joy be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh,